0: Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicle's political podcast. I'm Joe Garipoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer, and today on the podcast, we have the head of the California Republican Party, Jessica Patterson. I've known Jessica for about a decade, back when she used to work for the Meg Whitman campaign for governor. Back in the day, she is a pioneer of sorts here in California. She is the first Latina to be elected chair of the California Republican Party in its 140-year history. She's the first millennial and the first woman to lead the party. And we talked to her on this day when the impeachment inquiry into President Trump began, and we talked to her about how that impeachment inquiry affects her ability to try and rebuild the Republican Party in California, a state where Trump is not very popular. And now, here's my conversation with Jessica Patterson. Jessica Patterson, welcome to it's all political. Welcome to the city of St. Francis.
1: Thank you for having me. That's
0: yes, All right, now uh, let's let's introduce you because you're still what about six eight months, into eight, the, months in, eight months eight yeah. months into the gig as the uh, head of the California Republican Party. You uh, first Latina ever, yes. to be elected chair in its 140 year history of the party. Yes, the first woman. Yes, the first millennial. Yes, you're and you're still 38. Correct.
1: I just turned 39. 39, oh. You forgot best hair.
0: I, we don't talk about hair on this podcast for the obvious <laughs> reasons. Um, the, um, now, and you grew up in, uh, you were born in Montebello?
1: Yes, born in Montebello. Grew, had most of my childhood in Hacienda Heights. I moved back to Montebello when I was in high school.
0: And and uh, your uh, when we say Latina uh, the Patterson is not the that's your no, married name no. your paternal grandfather was born in Mexico correct? yes that's your connection
1: my grandmother was born here but spent most of her childhood in Mexico mm-hmm. she was uh, lived in Mexicali oh really okay but she's American born
0: no and tell us what, you know why are you a Republican so how'd that come up because the family is like Democrats and Republicans correct or no yeah
1: so when I was growing up both of my parents were Democrats. Mm-hmm. And um, when we moved back to Montebello, when I was in high school, we would drive from Montebello back to Hacienda Heights every day. The schools were better in Hacienda Heights. Mm -hmm. And so um, that was kind of my first step into Republican politics. And um, the policies were failing where we lived. And it was run by Democrats. Mm -hmm. And so um, one day we'd have uh, to—you— uh, unlike most people that are in the press world, have seen some of the personal side of my life, yes. and you know that I come from a Catholic family. Mm-hmm. I'm one of five kids, and every day from the way to from Montebello to Hacienda Heights, we used to have to all five of us kids do a decade of the Rosary each, yes. and. It was on those car rides when we like, were Explain doing... what
0: that is for people like unlike you and I and my mom, who <laughs> might not know be that familiar with the rosary. So
1: when you're praying the rosary, it's a prayer that consists of uh, the creed. It consists of um, an Our Father, three Hail Marys, uh, Glory Be, uh, a Merciful Prayer, the Mysteries of the Rosary, and then it's five decades, so 10 Hail Marys, five times mm-hmm. um, along with those prayers. And then it's end with, with a Hail, Holy Queen. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a prayer that Catholics prayer, pray. And um, it's something that my mother was always very committed to and made sure we were as well. Mm-hmm. As a teenager, I don't think I fully appreciated. Yeah, what this did you think gift. of
0: that at that point? Like... I
1: mostly wanted to get through it and turn on Rick D's in the morning. <laughs>
0: Who was, was not saying a deco?
1: <laughs> no, he was not. He was burning people's buns. Yes. <laughs> um. But we'd get off the freeway, off the 60 freeway in Hacienda Heights. And when you turn off Hacienda, I'd go up to Colima. On the corner of Hacienda Colima was a Republican headquarters. And so I asked my mom one day if I could volunteer. And you know, both my parents were Democrats. They were a little bit surprised. My mom is this incredibly faith-filled woman. Mm -hmm. And my dad, to this day, is the hardest working man on the planet.
0: Remind remind me what he did. He did a blue collar job. Yeah.
1: My dad was a UPS man Mm -hmm. for 32 years and um, just incredibly hardworking. You know, he drove an hour to San Fernando And then his route was in Glendale, and then he'd drive back to San Fernando and then back to Hossin Heights or Montebello. And so um, just incredibly hardworking, just did everything that he could to provide for our family. And um, it was really their actions that led me and my other brothers and sisters to be Republicans.
0: So all your brothers and sisters are Republicans. Yeah. And your parents?
1: My parents converted. My mother converted in 2000, and my dad converted in 2012.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and then, but what attracted you to, like, I mean, uh, like a, you were 16, 15, 16 when yeah. you saw the person in the corner? What what was it about the Republican Party then? Because you were, let's see, were, give me a, what year would that be?
1: Sophomore, junior year. Yeah.
0: No, but I mean uh, oh. year, five. 95. Year? 95.
1: Yeah. Okay. So the 96. Republican Party is still yeah. very
0: viable then. Yeah. and. Yeah.
1: and I think it was personal responsibility. We I remember taking a quiz in our high school civics class, and there was several polls that lined up a fence, and our civics teacher had us, based on our scores, stand at these polls. And this, this quiz was um, how conservative or liberal you were. And there was... Me and then probably three polls before you got to the next student. Really, um, because the personal responsibility, um, individual freedoms, those things were incredibly important to me.
0: Mm-hmm. And the, how about the? Social... So I hated group projects in high yeah. school. You
1: did you, you, like you want to do your <laughs> I own thing around thing.
0: Yeah. The, what is the um, and, and how much was the social? The social uh, concerns. Was it yeah, was I think that, was certainly that, that was not? a part of it, but not the major thing.
1: I, that wasn't something that was really discussed in our our Public school, yeah. And, in our, in our house, you know, bit um, we went mm-hmm. to mass every Sunday, mm-hmm. we did holy days of obligations, right. but you know, the, the social of of things wasn't something, you know, my parents you know other people. a yeah. you know, be a good person. And, a um, wasn't any real heavy subjects that were discussed like that.
0: So what, you didn't talk politics in the family right
1: now. Oh, yeah, we did. Oh, you did. Okay. Oh, we
0: talked politics. And my what, parents, what form would that take?
1: At dinner table. Mm-hmm. And my parents were always people that wanted us to come to conclusions on our own. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want to stuff dogma down our throats. Um, they really wanted us to um, come to our own conclusions, have our own thoughts. Mm-hmm. And that was something that was celebrated with
0: them. Yeah. Yeah, I remember because it's uh, when we first you alluded to that earlier. We first met when you were working for the Meg Whitman campaign. You yeah. showed me around East L.A. I we were, did. we were down there. You showed me the church. You got married, and yes, um,
1: and we went to Hordones.
0: Yes, we did. That was delicious. So that was delicious. Um, the um, so okay, so let's talk about the Republican Party now. You you have a major job. To I do. do. You have a big job ahead of you. the The party is there are more people um, registered as. With no party affiliation in California, the kind of the kind of states, as we like to say, it, then register with Republicans. Um, and the other challenge is you have President Trump as the face of the party. Okay, and I would read you a couple of things from this state, this um, survey that came out uh, a few weeks ago, um, UC Berkeley nonpartisan survey. Um, you know, two thirds of Californians don't approve of what the president's up to here. Um, but he's also, you know, there's some warning signs among Republicans. 40% of Republican voters said they thought it would be a good idea to have a challenger to Trump in the in the California March 3rd primary. Um, among voters under 40, this is the future of your Republican Party, 62%, that'd be a good thing. And then among non-white voters in the state, fewer than 20% overall say they would not vote for the president next year. Um, is there a Republican Party in California that's separate? from the president
1: i think that the leadership that i've always envisioned for the party and what i try to practice every day is big tent republicans right um i want anyone who identifies as being republican to feel welcome in our party here Mm -hmm. in california and that was something that was incredibly important to me when i ran and it's something that's been incredibly important to me as i lead we want to make sure that we are going into communities that have been neglected by our party. Mm-hmm. And there ha- they have been. They've been neglected by our what, party.
0: You're speaking specifically of what? Oh,
1: women, minorities, <clears throat> Latinos, African-Americans. Um, we've done pretty well with Asian voters and recruiting especially Asian candidates. But there's a lot of communities that have just felt completely ignored. Not felt. They've been ignored by our party. Yeah. When I worked for Governor Schwarzenegger... We had an office right here in the belly of the beast in San Francisco is one of my offices. And, um, you know, when was the last time we did that? Probably then. And so we need to stop um, giving communities to the Democrat Party. I don't believe that these people are voting for Democrats because Democrats are helping them to live their best lives. In fact, every single one of those policies that they have enacted from Sacramento would show the exact opposite. But what Democrats have done is they have shown up and they have made people feel like they care about their problems. So we as Republicans, I believe, need to show up more. We need to hear what their problems are. And then we need to offer solutions to those problems. Because at the end of the day, People have real problems. People have real problems that they want solutions to. What
0: would be an example of a solution that the Republicans have that's different? Yeah. I mean, because uh, you've said we, we cannot be the party of no, Correct. which is the party is, has been. What yeah. would be, give me an example of a something where the where the Republicans have a unique solution to a problem here in California?
1: Right. So I think the gas tax mm-hmm. is a perfect example, mm-hmm. right? We um, put forth a transportation bill, Assemblyman Vince Fong did. At the same time, the gas tax was being considered two years ago. And without raising our taxes, we were going to go out there and fix our roads using, I know this is a really novel concept, but transportation dollars. (laughs) And when you read any of the reporting on it, when we had Prop 6, it was, if you want your roads fixed, then you're going to have to pay the tax. There was never a discussion about the fact that there was an alternative plan that failed in committee because Democrats have no other solutions besides raising your taxes, Mm -hmm. and they didn't want to use transportation dollars. So I think that's a good example. We've seen this homeless crisis that has just become an absolute epidemic Mm -hmm. here in California and in cities that we love. You know, I love L.A. I love my Dodgers. I hate to see what has happened to that city. Mm
0: -hmm. And also, go, many suburban cities, and we're absolutely. Uh, re- 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 predominantly Republican cities as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. absolutely. And <clears throat> one of the champions on this, you know, we've seen it skyrocket in big cities like LA, San Francisco, Sacramento. And one of the cities where there's actually been a decline and a decrease in homelessness is San Diego. And Mayor Faulkner has shown absolute leadership in this arena, so mm-hmm. much so that people all over the state have invited him to come to their city and talk about what they're doing with mm-hmm. their bridge shelters, with their mental help, with their addiction help, with their job training, to get people back to being productive members of society. And not just in the state. The White House has come to see what they've done. Um, Secretary Carson was here. And-
0: President or President, uh, Mayor Faulkner, who has been a guest on the podcast. Maybe one day. Uh, Yes, maybe. Who knows? (laughs) But he is the type of Republican who could win here. I mean, he's winning in a Democratic city, but he is a different type of Republican. He's pro-choice. He's, you know, he talks about climate change. Do Republicans have to change their position on those issues, you know, that to appeal to a broader swath of Californians?
1: I think that it's about the big tent. It's about growing our party. And it's not necessarily saying this one thing, but it's making us focus on the things that we agree on. You know, I would rather have someone like Assemblywoman Catherine Baker representing the Bay Area up in Sacramento who votes with Republicans 89% of the time than someone like Rebecca bauer Kahan who's nowhere near
0: that. But she, but that was, a, and, and uh, Baker's been on the podcast as well. And, she, you know, that was um, a really sad situation because here she is, she represents her district, I I thought, very well. Uh, no disrespect to uh, uh, bauer Um, But um, she was, again, pro-choice, blah, blah, blah. But she lost because the election was nationalized. Uh, People were voting. They they didn't want to see any uh, Republican, California, uh, didn't want to see any Republicans. They were voting against Trump, et cetera, et cetera. So again, it goes back to the president. Where do you disagree with the president?
1: So I think one of the things that we have to focus on is being disciplined in our message, right? Of course, the Democrats want to talk about what's ever going on the national stage. They want to talk about the president and whatever he tweeted at 3 o'clock in the morning. They don't want to talk about being uh, 50 out of 50 in the nation when it comes to business friendliness. Mm. They don't want to talk about being 47th in the nation when it comes to education. They don't want to talk about being the capital of poverty in the entire country are having 25% of the nation's homelessness. They don't want to talk about the fact that I think that same Berkeley poll that you were referring to talked about 53% of Californians believe they're going to have to leave the state Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it has become so unaffordable. So as Californians... We win when we're, as California Republicans, we win when we're talking about the local stuff. When we're talking about the silly things that are happening in Sacramento that are affecting our everyday life, we win on those messages. So it's about being disciplined on those messages. And we know they're going to want to take it to the national fight. But what's happening here in California is not a result of what's coming out of Washington, D.C., it's a result of what's happening in Sacramento.
0: But what are we supposed to do when the president, this is just a couple of weeks ago, he tweeted, uh, so November 3rd, he tweeted every year as the fire, talk about the fires and, and such. We just had devastating fires in Southern California where you are and up here in the Bay Area as well. Um, every year as the fires rage and California's, California burns, it's the same thing. Uh, and then he comes to the federal government, speaking of Newsom, for for money help. No more. Get your act together, Governor. You don't see close to the level of burn in other states, Brother other teams are working on it well. And he threatened to you know, cut off fire aid to, to California. What do you say to that? You have to disagree with that or take them to task on that, right? I
1: think that we are best when we are working together. Right. And I don't think that the Twitter war that mm-hmm. goes back and forth is helpful to Um, us as Americans, us as Californians being successful. When, um, I can't remember who it was tweeted out, but I retweeted it, um, seeing the president and Governor Jerry Brown at the time, Governor-elect Newsom at the time, Mm -hmm. Leader McCarthy in Paradise, in Malibu, Mm -hmm. touring, seeing what happened, everybody being cordial to one another, working together, trying to find solutions. That is when we are at our best. And I think that Californians and Americans agree with that too. I think they want to see their government actually working. And so, when the Newsom administration spends their time with fifty different lawsuits against the Trump administration, and when the um, you know Washington D.C. Democrats are focusing all of their efforts on impeachment. When we still need to pass USMCA, these are things that I think Californians and Americans as a whole want to see their government focus on getting the job done. What is going to help me put food on the table, have a good school for my kids to go to, and be in a safe neighborhood?
0: But when the when the races are nationalized, like Catherine Baker's, um, like uh, you know other like these House races that were here, shouldn't the party draw a line about? Where we disagree with the president or I mean, you've 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 been exhibited excellent message discipline and not not going near the president so far. but, But where do you draw the line? So I think that with specific races, those are that's
1: candidate driven. And the candidates have to define who they are and what they're going to represent within each one of these districts. Mm -hmm. And in California, we have an incredibly diverse state. um, And each district is very different. Mm -hmm. Um, Even in the urban areas, we see different populations that, you know, would affect the way you might feel on a particular issue. And so I think that is very candidate driven. And for us, what we need to do at the party level is to make sure that the infrastructure is there, that they have the tools and resources that they need so that they can be successful with delivering their message.
0: So we're, we should not expect you to get in the middle of these, these back and forth. Between you should the not president. expect it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to my conversation with California Republican Party Chair Jessica Patterson. We'll have more after a short break. And now here's more of my conversation with Jessica Patterson. Okay. Let's talk about reaching in other communities. Um, uh, you, again, we said the first Latina, um, elected state party chair. Um, where, what about DACA? That was the Supreme court heard that this week. Um, do you think that program should end as the, you know, as the administration has said, what, what should happen to DACA? We have a 200,000 of the, the, the 700,000 or so folks in the program, 200,000 are living here. DACA recipients are living here in California. What should happen to that program?
1: So what's incredibly frustrating about that situation is that the president has said, let's make a deal. And um, a year and a half ago now, the federal government and Democrats were ready to shut down the government over this. He came to them with what many people thought was a very generous offer regarding DACA, and they wouldn't come to the table. And so I think it goes back to that whole issue. I leave the policy to the policymakers, but I believe that people want their government to work. And when people aren't willing to come to the table, it makes it very difficult for real solutions to be reached.
0: So you think these folks should stay in the country?
1: I think that the policymakers will come to a decision on what's best, but I think that Everybody needs to come to the table.
0: How about a wall on the U.S.-Mexico border?
1: I think border security is incredibly important.
0: But a wall, a physical wall?
1: I think that the policymakers will decide what that border security looks like. But I think that it's incredibly important.
0: So let's let's talk about the Bay Area. You're here visiting, uh, of course, to be on the podcast. Of first, first and foremost. First and foremost. Thank you. You're great pandering there. The uh, <laughs> but you're also fundraising and such. Mm-hmm. Um, and reaching out to you know, a young group of young Republicans. What do you do in the Bay Area? Since Baker was voted out, uh, there are no Republicans here. This is like, it's, uh, until you get to Doug LaMalfa and McClintock, That's those are our closest Republicans here. How do you bring back the Republican Party in the Bay Area, which has a history of some very strong Republicans in the past? Um, what do you do there? If, if If a Baker can't win here, what do you do?
1: So I start by not using the word reaching out or outreach, because that to me implies that you have to reach out, that you're not in those communities. (laughs) And um, I'm, I'm not gonna talk about the Bay Area specifically, but in general. Um, with these communities that have been neglected by our party. We have some amazing organizations. I know you know about Grow Elect.
0: Grow Elect. Um, yes. Let's Marion- let's talk just what they are. They yeah. are they identify uh Latino Republicans at mostly local, at the local level. At the local level. Right. Um and they've been very successful being yeah. elected, uh, uh Latinos elected at local level, like maybe 200, 230 or so yeah. at this point. Um, but the challenge is as soon as they get because uh, those are nonpartisan elections, but when they get to be um, uh, have to put an R next to their name, then only one has won in the six or seven eight year history of the program. But it's a, but it's a it's a smart way to build a farm system, if you right. will, of uh, and of to candidates. deliver the message. Yep. So
1: organizations like Grow Elect, like the Marianne Burkison Series and California Women's Leaderships Association, those two organizations focus on getting women mm-hmm. who are Republicans elected. Recently, we've put together um, the Republican Alliance, which focuses on African Americans getting elected. And so, at the party level, for us to be successful, I believe that we need to make sure that these individuals who are already leaders within their communities, you're correct, most of them have not had to run with that R behind their name, Mm -hmm. but they have been voted on by the people in those communities, they have legitimacy. And they have a stake within that community. And making sure that they are trained and armed with the tools and resources to deliver those messages, I think at the party level we've done a poor job of that. We've done a poor job of talking about what's happening up in Sacramento and how it affects your everyday life. I'm in Sacramento about once a week. And I walk around that big white building and people speak in a different language. Mm-hmm. They talk in bill numbers. They talk about authors and co-authors and committees and amendments and how votes are going to go down on the floor and who's going to lay off. And it's just like, what are you even talking about? You go down to Costa Mesa or Calabasas and they have no clue what AB5 is. Mm. Some Uber drivers don't even know what AB5 is. Right. and. The people in the community have no idea that that is going to affect the cost from everything from hauling dirt off of your front yard uh, project to the next Uber or Lyft that you get into. So making sure that those communities are supported, these individuals who have already engaged within these communities, that they have the tools and resources that they need to deliver those messages. You know, when I was running for chair, one of the things I ran on was new message, new messengers. And we need to make sure that they have those resources so that they can deliver those messages. Because the face of the party looks very different. You talked about some of the headlines. First woman, first Latina, first millennial, um, best hair, and
0: uh, you said that. I <laughs>
1: would you disagree? Really? I,
0: well, the, your competition, <laughs> Steve Frank. I was, I don't know. Travis Allen no, had some decent hair. You know.
1: the chairman.
0: Oh, of the past the, chairman,
1: yes, Mulkey had a full head of hair. I would, I would not
0: deny him that. But it was, it was his own right.
1: But we have an amazing board. You know, yeah. our state board is twenty three members, almost half of which are women. We have four Latinos on the board. We had two openly gay men since I've been the chairman. We have an African-American. We have a Taiwanese immigrant as our vice chair. We have a kick-ass Punjabi Indian-American attorney who you probably <laughs> see all the time yes, on I'm the fl- news, yes. Harmeet Dillon. Yes. Um, but I mentioned this not because a single one of us ran on being the first anything, but the diversity of our party, it doesn't stop at the chairmanship. The diversity of our party is within our leadership. And so we have a huge opportunity to show that the California Republican Party is in a new day. And that's a good thing for our party. It's a good thing for our brand. And it's a good thing for engagement in Californians all around our state.
0: What, um, let's talk about uh, Governor Newsom. Um, what, what could he have done? Here's, here's, your, here's your big softball. What's, what could he have done differently in his first year? And what would a Republican have done differently, could, could have done better?
1: The podcast is not that long.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We can extend the time if we need to.
1: Perfect. So I think there was quite a few things that he could have done. Um, One of the things, and I'm going to give credit to Governor Brown on this, um, vetoing SB27. It was clearly.
0: Explain. Unconst- like oh, you, you were already just. I'm not going to talk about. That, Look at right? what been, that one day a week in SAC is rubbed yeah. off on you. What's going on?
1: SB27 is a bill that came through the California state legislature, which would require. Uh, make new requirements that are not in the U.S. Constitution or in our state constitution to release your tax returns in order to be on the primary ballot.
0: Yes, we we think we know who those directed to. Uh, absolutely, well, the, the courts. You guys sued. You were you were one of the lead plaintiffs in this, and the, and the uh, the court said this is a ridiculous idea.
1: Well, we haven't gotten a um, ruling from in the, the cor- state supreme court yet. The federal court did grant a preliminary injunction on it. Yeah. Um, so, vetoing SB twenty seven like his predecessor did, Um, it was clear from the um, legislative analysis that their legal counsel, this bill was unconstitutional. And then they didn't even, they didn't even bother to check the state constitution and see if there was any, um, anything that it was in conflict with in the state constitution. So the arrogance and the overreach is just ridiculous. Um, the death penalty moratorium. We had a repeal of the death penalty on the ballot in 2016, and it failed. The governor said that he would respect the will of the people, and then he put a moratorium on the death penalty.
0: Yes, months later. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So it's things like mm-hmm. that. So it's an
0: arrogance of power. What about on housing? That's a, that Newsom uh, came in promising uh, we are going to build. We need to build, and we can build. You know, three and a half million units over, you know. And we've failed on every single one of those goals. Yes. It's it's not happening. Right. What would Republicans have – what would you do differently?
1: I think that we'd need to see some rollback on some of the um, hurdles that the California state legislature puts on building houses. And I think that there's an absolute failure to do that. There's no incentive for the people that actually build houses to build
0: more housing. To lower the fees that developers have to pay, whether it be in San Francisco or or Danville or wherever. Yes,
1: Or roll back some of the environmental regulations that they have on it. Um, All of those things come into play. And it's incredibly unfortunate. Another one that I see is when he talked uh, in the state of the state, and we was talking about stepping back from the high-speed rail, and then he got pushed back on that and back on board for the high-speed rail. I mean, by all accounts, it is so far over budget. It is, um, you know, from two areas that I don't see that we have that much traffic where it's going to ever be able to, you know, pay for itself. It's just it's just a a solution in search of a problem, which I think that the California Democrats and California legislature and our governor continually try and look for. I mean, we have so many problems here. We have so many problems. You don't have to look that hard to want to fix a problem.
0: The uh, Let's talk about uh, national politics. I want to get your take on a couple of things. We haven't the, talked about it we, enough. know we, we're, we're <laughs> going about more. Um, the, I was curious, who do you think would be the toughest challenge among the Democrats running right now um, against the president?
1: I would probably say um Vice President Biden.
0: And why is that?
1: He's a likable guy. Mm-hmm. I think that he's a very likable guy.
0: And who do you think that would be the biggest route?
1: Who it would be the toughest yeah, for?
0: No, no. Who would be the, the the uh the easiest win for among the front runners? Oh, you can't yeah. say John Delaney or something oh, like that. Be, <laughs> I thought you might be saying John Delaney just a sandbag, you know. There's...
1: No. Um I think Elizabeth Warren. Because why? I think, one, her policies are so incredibly extreme, and I don't think she's likable.
0: And when you say not likable, what does that mean? So now, uh, I know I know, our feminist listeners will be saying, oh, that seems like it's anti-female.
1: Oh, no. Um, it's anti-unlikable people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we all don't like unlikable people. Yeah. No, but why is she unlikable?
1: Um, there's nothing about her, to me, that's warm. Mm. And um, I think that that's something that's important. Um, I think that you get the sense from Vice President Biden mm-hmm. that he cares about people. Mm. And um, you get that that comes across when he's talking about things. I don't get that. I get kind of an elitist um, type of attitude from mm. Senator Warren. And it's just it's not it's not someone I connect with.
0: And how about like uh, someone who's rising the polls here is Pete Buttigieg. What are yeah. your thoughts on him?
1: He's He's got the likability factor mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I think that there has been some, um, you know, failures as as mayor in his city um, that people talk about sometimes. But he's certainly a likable guy. And it's 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 always interesting to watch because it's such a rush to the far left and Mm -hmm. these extreme socialists. It's not, you know, it's not the Democrat Party that my parents were a part of.
0: Yeah, they're more centrist. Very.
1: Different party mm-hmm. than um, they, they had that they were a part of.
0: And on, and, and do you see impeachment? I wrote a column today in the in the Chronicle. I'm sure you read it on the way. Out, on I the didn't. Out the, what what did you just lie it. and say you it. did? <laughs> My goodness. Um, it was about how uh, impeachment's not going to decide this race in 2020. That's going to be decided by the kitchen table issues around. But do you think it'll factor here? We get, we get mixed messages. We say, you know, uh, that the NRCC comes in and says, oh, you know, this is a national Republican. Congressional political arm says, "Oh, this is, this is you know the the House members of you know uh, they they're supporting Pelosi, blah blah blah." Uh, do you think? it How does it factor here, or, or will it at all?
1: Now, I think that it does mm-hmm. play a role in things. Mm-hmm. I think here in California, I think we're seeing that pendulum, and people really want their government to get to work. And when you have distractions like this. Mm-hmm. It seems like the real work, that kitchen table stuff, just isn't getting done. Mm-hmm. And I think people get very frustrated by that.
0: And that's how it will play. Do you think that goes to the Republican base? Does that win over swing voters? Who yeah. does that affect?
1: I think it does get us to those swing voters. We need to do our job at the California Republican Party of making sure that we're engaging in all of these communities mm-hmm. around our state. And so we have to show that we have viable alternatives to what the Democrats are, are, are serving up. But I think that when you're given the choice and now you really do have a choice and there is a viable alternative, then you can say, listen, I saw what they gave us for the last two years and I'm not a fan. Mm -hmm. My life is not better because of anything that they've done, whether it's in Washington, D.C. or Sacramento. And now I know I do have a viable choice. There is a distinction between what the parties believe are the solutions to our problems and this is the way I, I'm going to go. So I get, think it gives us an opportunity.
0: And you're confident that the president did nothing wrong uh, with his, his, I believe his call with Ukraine was perfect.
1: Oh, I don't. I honestly don't know.
0: You don't. Know, okay, you're not following that stuff. At, uh, that's not. I right haven't
1: seen this stuff this morning.
0: Okay. No, but I mean, previous than to this morning, <clears throat> and we're recording this on the first day of the uh, congressional yeah. Uh, I impeachment mean, I here, think inquiry.
1: What we've seen is everybody that has come through so far. Wasn't even on the phone call, so didn't have any firsthand knowledge of it. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, I think they said like multiple times, no quid pro quo and all of those different things. Mm-hmm.
0: And Devin Nunes, also a California Republican uh, uh, t- leader of the Intelligence Committee, uh, he he talked about several sort of debunked um, theories. He said Ukraine was, uh, res- was responsible for fixing the election, stuff like that. I I don't know if you saw. Did you see? I didn't, the, see, you didn't it. see it. Didn't see anything. You're in your trance. Okay. Um, <clears throat> anything else with the, the big ideas we should look for in the future of how you and your crew are going to be reshaping the California Republican Party of tomorrow?
1: I think a lot of it. You know, it's not going to be these long bomb passes. It's going to be two to three yards and a cloud of dust, and <laughs> it's going to be incremental. It's going to be. We're making sure that we're developing and building the infrastructure and growing our party, and it's going to take new routes to do that, and I think that um, we're right—we're on the right direction for that.
0: The money is rolling in uh, at yeah. a, a higher pace. Now, you were, you were an expert fundraiser before you ran for – uh, party chair. Tell us, give us some numbers there about where where you're at and where you were.
1: Yeah. So we are $1 million ahead of where we were at the same time in 2017, which in is- In terms of fundraising. So being a $1 million ahead, same time in a non-election year, 2017, that's great. We got started three months later. Um, we've raised more money online from January to September than we did all of 2018 online. What do you
0: attribute that to? Besides your phenomenal fundraising skills, of course.
1: (laughs) It's part of it. So a couple of things. um, With the larger contribution with our major donors, we didn't have a fundraising program that existed outside of Sacramento. We have recruited um, regional Mm -hmm. finance co-chairs around our state that have committed to raise or give $250,000 or more. And then when I'm in cities, um, different cities every day. I'm including my finance meetings and going and making the ask. On the um, the online side of things, we're communicating to more people at a greater level. Give us some and, metrics on that. Yeah, I'd love to. So in August of 2018, the California Republican Party sent out 50,000 emails. In August of 2019, we sent out 1.3 million Wow. We've doubled our email list since I was elected. In September of 2019, we sent out 3.5 million. So we're talking to people, a greater amount of people, at a more consistent pace. And so every opportunity that we have to ask for money, we do. So we have something like 8,650 brand new donors to the California Republican Party since I was elected and it's out there acquiring new people, engaging them. We have a fantastic data and digital team that we brought in from the national level who mm-hmm. wanted to be a part of what we're doing here with <coughs> our California Comeback, and they have put together what we call the CARES program, and it's an app-based program, and CARES is California Republican Engagement System. So we have connected with something like 80,000 new people that will be donors, volunteers, and organizers all around our state in just the last two months. So we're doing more on the digital side of things, and we're getting out there and talking to people face-to-face a lot more. We're building our Neighborhood Team Leader program. We're making sure that we're showing up, and we're not leaving it to just the air wars. We are Mm. getting
0: there on the ground. Air wars, TV commercials and such we're talking about, yeah. So uh, one more question. If, they, if, you know, some people may say, Jess, that must be very difficult being the head of the Republican Party in California, super liberal state. You know, you have people don't like Trump. What would you say to them?
1: I would say that every single day in Sacramento, California Democrats are doing things to make our lives more difficult here. They are doing things that are making it so much easier to say, I'm going to move to Arizona. I'm going to move to Utah. I'm going to move to Idaho. And we have to stay here and fight. We have an amazing, we have a great state, and California Republicans are offering solutions that haven't been there in the past. And we want to make our state that golden state that it once was.
0: All right, Jessica Patterson, thank you for coming here. Will you come back again? Yes, come back and absolutely, visit. Joe. Maybe we'll come back and uh, come down and visit you in LA, or we'll meet in Sac. Or that sounds good. I thank would love so it. Thank you so much.
1: Thank for you here. for having me.
0: It's All Political as part of the San Francisco Chronicle podcast network. Audrey Cooper is our editor-in-chief. Our music, our theme music that we have is Cattle Call. That's written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Crow Song. If you like this show, subscribe, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For more great journalism like this, subscribe to the San Francisco Chronicle at SanFranciscoChronicle.com slash subscribe you can find me on twitter at joe gare foley thanks